नमस्ते मैडम नमस्ते राजेश मत बोलो मैडम अभी कुछ टाइम से मैंने अपना नाम बदल दिया कॉल मी योगी योगी रंगनाथ योगी योगी रंगनाथ रियली ओके प्रणाम योगी योगी जी सो व्हाट प्रॉम्प्टेड यू टू चेंज दिस नेम नाउ अगेन यू नो आई वाज स्वीट टू द पावर एंड बट आई फेल्ट दैट स्वी इज नो लॉन्गर द करेंसी ऑफ द डे अब तो भैया क्योंकि लखनऊ में योगी जी हैं तो चेन्नई में भी योगी जी होना चाहिए ना राइट सो आई इट्स टाइम टू मेक तमिलनाडु ग्रेट अगेन योगी योगी विल सून बी स्टार्टिंग अ न्यू पार्टी ओके एंड पार्टी का नाम क्या है आई एम थिंकिंग of calling it dravida yoga sangathan dravida yoga sangathan <laughs> you know two third of that name is sanskrit so don't you think that your fellow tamils will maybe complain about that complain karne do unko it's time to show south indians who is boss my spies tell me that they are ready for a second aryan invasion i mean a sanskrit name hindi mein bol rahe ho and you want to make tamil nadu great again excellent i mean there's no doubt that this dravida yoga sangathan dvs will storm into power but what does your party stand for yogi yogi ji well we have three major demands we want to remake the ram setu we're going to introduce the devanagari script into tamil and we're going to prepare for a second invasion of lanka oh wait third invasion of lanka third invasion of lanka you know you're right those lankans have become too arrogant sabak to sikhana hi hai unko lekin ek chhota sa problem hai kya chhota problem then rajiv gandhi try an invasion a couple of decades ago and fail miserably are wo secular government can't handle these kinds of things they don't know how to fight you know we are real men now kya nationalism hai such masculinity much wow but how can we help your campaign yogi yogi ji such a mouthful just can you can call me yo 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 <laughs> mr yogi mujhe yaad aa raha hai abhi mera campaign abhi shuru nahi hua hai and i can't reveal the inner details to you even though i know you're a trusted partner but you know this is this is top secret so um but i feel like i'm being misunderstood just wait for me come 2020 and you will see major dhamaka hone wala hai oh i mean i mean i'm looking forward to it but that is far far away from where we are right now we have more immediate concerns abhi and also we want to finish reading annihilation of caste of course lest we forget coming back to annihilation of caste in ambedkar do you think rajesh or sorry yogi yogi ji yo yo ji yo yo ji yo yo ji that do you think hinduism is intolerant as a religion you know i won't paint the entire religion with that one brush that i mean and i think that's just not true but it certainly looks like there's a dominant stream of hinduism where tolerance has become a bad word but it's a it's a bad word it's a joke in kind of the same vein as being secular it's a joke ah what the hell you know others liberals are you know as much a joke as uh, you know chadiwalas are but um i do i mean i feel like jokes or not there is there is a world that is now quite overt in which liberal and secular are bad and intolerance is a virtue yeah ambedkar also thinks like you actually uh kind of great minds and all ambedkar says hindus are not usually tolerant i mean usually he says and when they are it's because you know they can't really do much about something true and um, he's also saying that all hindus are racist which i mean i have to say that there's much i find problematic about ambedkar and not just because uh, of his problems with hindus but uh, this 
wussiness seems like the kind of madangi that I'm not 100% sure I want to adopt. Okay. That's at odds with your yogi-yogi behavior. Five seconds ago. Consistency is the hobgoblin of feeble minds. Yeah. Ambedkar says, I mean, this intolerance, what he calls it, it's, it, he says it stems from an indifference. Indifference so profound that they cannot, the Hindus cannot ever stand fully united, unlike, say, the more self-assured uh, Sikh or Mohammedan. And, you know, it's interesting that he says it because it's been said again and again. And, uh, and of course, interestingly enough, and I wrote a paper about this once, uh, when, say, the Pakistanis launched an attack against India in 1965, that was their idea, that, he, like, that the Hindu army just won't be able to stand together. And, and of course, sadly, I think that that criticism has found a mirror image in this hyper-aggressive Hindutva that has arisen in part in response to that. Uh, and, and, but anyway, getting back to Ambedkar, indifference what do you think is because of well take a wild guess once again um because of many think caste system exactly so ambedkar ties this to reform and i think in a very interesting way right he says that a group is tolerant and fair-minded in dealing with individuals who assert their own independence if they stifle such dif- you know that difference in behavior there's no reform so it's a very interesting liberal individualist position. Yeah. See, again, I mean, you're going to disagree with me, but by that definition, religion itself has no reform. Most modern religion anyway. Communities maybe, but religion has always been more about conformity. And Hinduism, uh, especially of late by aping all the Abrahamic religions, is doing exactly that. True. Of course, one has to ask, why is individualism a virtue? Right? And, and I think it is, but it's not a guaranteed virtue. And you could argue that there are problems that arise from individualism, which we see more and more today, because you know, in the famous Frito-Lay kind of advertising, right? get your own bag. Like, I, I feel like the get your own bag version of individualism has a major problem with it too. Right? But Bhaiji, I'm, I'm a believer. And I can't believe the number of anti-national utterances that are coming out of your pseudo-secular mouth. You're not aping anyone. They are aping us. Sanjay. <laughs> uh, coming back to the real world. Here's what I was thinking as I read this bit. So Ambedkar writes, it's difficult to come back to Ambedkar after that, but hey, Ambedkar writes about how caste has killed the public spirit, how there's no charity to the needy where they really need it. Will, for instance, uh, he asks a Hindu acknowledge and follow leadership of a great person unless he's from his own caste? And that, I believe, is the difference between when this was written and today. The youths and even the older generation now have moved on. But I could say, one could argue that it's not necessarily to a better place. And of course, you know, in Narendra Modi, we have uh, you know a leader who's not from a dominant caste, and you could argue the first non-dominant caste leader with the real power. So, like H. D. Devagoda was also from a non-dominant caste, uh, but you couldn't say that he had enormous power. But Modi is very powerful. I think the Gaudas are still powerful in, in Karnataka. Karnataka, but I think at the national level, he was not a prime minister whose authority everybody recognized. 
who had any power clearly while modi i think everybody especially actually upper caste people are quite happy accepting his leadership and that is something new um, but it's a kind of macho hinduism that uh, i'm not sure what kind of symbolism it has the symbol of patriarchy perhaps ambedkar coming back to ambedkar does not believe that all men are equal either right yes they're not right I mean, not all men and women are equal in reality. I mean, and I don't mean it in the in the judgmental sense, but in sad brutality of it. Uh, but that's where it becomes a moral decision, a decision based on dharma, right? Just because they are not equal in reality or, or in actuality, I shouldn't say reality, in actuality, doesn't mean that we shouldn't treat them equally, right? Equality, Ambedkar says, may be a fiction, but nonetheless, one must accept it as a governing principle. Mm. And he says. It's obvious that those individuals also in whose favor there is birth, education, family name, business connections and inherited wealth would be selected in a race. But selection under these circumstances would not be a selection of the able, it would be the selection of the privileged. So no, I mean I feel like there is in this uh kind of, you know, genetic determinant like like I I I see hints in this that we would have a very hard time like there is a kind of meritocracy argument in this too uh, but uh, there is also a kind of a potential racial sort of or um, you know a kind of determinism that i find very problematic to be frank in ambedkar uh, you see this use of so yes uh, ambedkar does say that and i do find it problematic because there's a kind of eugenicist strain to it which even when it shades off into meritocracy i find it uh, as having a problem because this is kind of the iit you know top ranker model of uh, equality which uh, has its own problems right there i think ambedkar discounts equity right? like when he says that since the statesman or the one who governs can't possibly draw distinctions between people to treat them equitably he must follow a rough rule and treat them equally right but isn't that uh... it's interesting isn't it i mean ambedkar is the poster child of uh, you know equity the mahatma of policy by equity and here he says that equitable is better but equal is more practical i think that that is again a uh, function of the state and its capacity of that time um i mean as he says right as fallacious as it might be equality is the ideal that we must aspire yeah but i i don't think there's equality without equity but that's a long long discussion and you know i think ambedkar said that and i still think that it's not quite we are not quite there yet obviously but moving on uh, there's also this long section after that on arya samaj and other reformist movements and how as a reformist movement arya samaj kind of misses the point yes i mean and do remember that this book was written by him uh, as an invited lecture to a reformist samaj right so the arya samaj even now is uh, you could say, i mean it's even now more equal than you could say regular caste society yeah it's known as that but i personally feel it got a few things wrong arya samaj and ambedkar is very critical of it as well right yes right because he believes in chaturvarna and he wants to consolidate all hindus into these four varnas instead of 4000 hindu castes or who knows how many there are actually the jatis and interestingly the four varnas are in chaturvarna vaishya chudra Uh, yeah. But here again, it's by birth. It's by worth, by virtue. It's not by birth. It's by virtue. But how does one decide the worth? 
<laughs> of a person. I think it falls into the very same trap as our good old caste system. But you know, unfortunately, that is the problem with meritocracy too, right? That you are essentially uh, this new caste system which quite closely tracks the old one, but where you have a, a so-called meritocratic class at the top strikes me as as one of the failures of the Ambedkarite uh, vision. I mean, he's, I think he's using that to only as an argument to say that your version of caste is not about who's able. It's just by birth and it makes no sense. I mean, that I totally agree. Right? That the caste by birth doesn't make any sense. And I think that uh, caste by virtue also doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. But I think you would agree with And that. neither does it make any sense to Ambedkar. Yeah. But I think that where he is somewhat blind, I think partly because you know, he was trained as a liberal in Colombia, in New York, is he misses the left critique where class emerges as a new form of stratification, which is as pernicious as class. And maybe Ambedkar doesn't care about it that much. It's possible. I agree that you know, Ambedkar recoils at that one. I mean, they use the same terminologies that have been entrenched in everybody's life, you know, the, the four caste groups. And, and they are trying to redefine what those caste groups mean, but you know, he is rightfully critical of successful redefinition or even the redefinition. Yeah, good life. luck with that redefinition. Plus, he says, what of women? Right? Are they divided into the same varnas? Do they belong to the varnas of their husbands? What do you think? Ugh, you know, I understand that this was written in the last century, but it is still just as annoying that, that all our great minds still were so patriarchal. As much as they talk about and talk tout equality, they're always talking about women as the other. And even Ambedkar goes on and on about, oh, can you imagine women as butchers and women as brewers and what happens to the women? Will they take on their husband's roles? And I mean, and I'm sure you read that bit about, uh, you know, women priests and women soldiers. Yeah, and, and that, you know, if we apply the Chaturvarnya to women, uh, there would be women priests and women soldiers, and that would be almost unimaginable. Hence, <laughs> it takes a con congenital idiot to believe in Chaturvarnya. Now, while I agree with this last line, with the congenital idiot bit, as politically incorrect as it might be, but why does he have such a difficult time imagining women in traditional men roles? Well, it tells you, right, that we are all bound by the imaginative possibilities of our day. So, you know, let's give him a break. Yeah, sure. His views are so last century. But I, I actually want to uh, come back to that last century piece because it is true. Their view, his views are so last century. And, and meaning that not only in his views towards women, in his views about tribals, masculinity and how one should be a kind of aggressive race, so to speak, all of which are you know, quite problematic. Like they were problematic in the 20th century after the Second World War. Now, with human aggression as a whole kind of being out of control, uh, with respect to the rest of the planet, I feel we need to really rethink what these concepts of equality and so on mean by treating a bit critically. Yeah, even, I mean, going back to that little bit when he said, you know, things about how a Hindu person is not as self-assured as a Muslim or a Sikh because 
Muslims and Sikhs have their whole community behind them. That's, I feel like uh, today's right wing um, has kind of taken that as a challenge and done exactly that and are telling their own kind that to survive in this world, we have to all stand united because it's us against them. It's not a unifying sort of argument. It's a, it's something that has kind of sown the discord. And So I'm glad you mentioned that because, again, in my own circle of friends, there are many people there. So you could argue that that Ambedkarite critique has actually become a conservative argument rather than a progressive one, right? Because people are saying ki we should, like, we need to create a Hindu calm, so to speak, uh, which is a faith community in the way that say, they think Christians and Muslims are and Sikhs are, and that that will lend them strength. And in fact, they're quite proud of the RSS and its, you know, umbrella as having now successfully achieved that. That only makes me go back to the point, I think, that you were mentioning a while back. That, And I think we, we also, we were critiquing Mahatma Gandhi's work, and this is our way of reading Ambedkar and really trying to make sense of it in today's world. And I don't think there's just an agreeing or disagreeing stance that we can take here. Right. We, we have to read them both much more carefully and uh, both more critically, but also with a sense for the horizon against which they operated, which is different from ours. So we will continue next time, hopefully soon, about the rest of Annihilation of Caste then, and hopefully wrap it up, right? I think it's time to uh, move to our next assignment, whatever that is. We'll have to think that through. But in the meantime, yo yo goodbye from yo and good luck. All right, bye, Rajesh. <laughs>